Mediapod Smash presents The Grand Finale of Hope, read by the author. Part 1. Introduction. Well, this is it. This is the very last essay. Hard to believe that we're finally at this point. It seems like it wasn't all that long ago that I was just putting the finishing touches on the first one. Another late night slash early morning session, eyes fixated on the glowing screen in my office. I love this window of time for working on projects. I feel as though it's when I can be my most productive and in tune with my creative side. When I recorded myself creating the essay for the podcast, I felt a little bit nervous. In past audios, I'd been known to be pretty candid about things, but this was different. This was a written retelling of one of the most trying periods in my life. Was it too heavy? Should I really share this? These were just a couple of many questions I thought about during the recording session. I pondered quite a bit while stumbling and mumbling through the pages. Eventually, I just convinced myself, if I can help or inspire even one person with this, then putting it out into the universe would have been worth it, I thought. Looking back with the perspective I have now, putting that first essay and recording online would end up being one of the best decisions I could ever make in terms of my own personal growth. This essay would be the catalyst for many, many more. I ended up writing about one essay a month, which led to a lot of reflection and some self-confidence gained. I've always been pretty interested in writing, yet consistently writing with purpose and continually meeting my personal deadlines was something that I could never previously do. Now, I can say that I've actually written a book. Well, not now now, but after this essay is finished. I'd love to go back in time and tell my younger self that all that wild and constant dreaming wasn't in vain. I was lucky enough to grow up in a household where having creative ideas was really encouraged, especially by my mom. From the most realistic of dreams to some of the most outlandish, like when I was very young and wanted to build a restaurant entirely out of Lego, all ideas were met with nothing but positive energy. Perhaps I should have been told to cool my jets every once in a while, especially when presenting some of the really grand ones. The truth is, reality is often very harsh, and many dreams are destroyed by various factors such as belief, criticisms, or generally being too delusional to realize how much effort is needed to make the dream come true. I often found that most of my early dreams fizzled due to factor number three, delusion. It's not like I was a complete idiot that didn't know what went into completing a major project. It's just that I never sat down to think about it very often. I had such a strong belief in myself. I just knew I could pull it off somehow. I like to fantasize about the end results of success. Me floating lazily in a pool or at a book signing event with a long line of people. Well, this isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's an easy place to stay trapped. In my childhood, I had no shortage of hope. I wasn't afraid to try something if I thought that it was an interesting idea. Though it would take me a while to learn that success is a road and never comes just by hoping, I'm still very grateful for all the encouragement that I received very early on. 
I'd much rather be encouraged and a bit delusional than discouraged and hopeless. Throughout the course of these essays, I wrote a bit about projects I had tried in the past, from making comics in elementary school to trying to make a movie in college. Surprisingly, there's one past project that never came up. I say it's a surprise because it was an attempt that led to some really good and early lessons about having a huge dream. I'd like to take you back to high school, right around 2007. I was a huge nerd with grand ideas. I guess that really not much has changed. That could also be an accurate way to describe me now as well. Around this time, I was starting to get really into writing. Short stories and poorly formatted screenplays were my projects of choice. I sat in study hall with pencil to paper, covering the lower half of my left hand with graphite because lefties be damned. However, I didn't care about the aesthetics of my left hand, or anything else for that matter. I was in my zone. Something I would learn later is referred to as flow state. I was just about to finish my finest screenplay yet. It was a slapstick parody of Saw, brilliantly titled Sawed. Part 2. Sawed. I usually refer to my attempt to make a feature film in college as the first. Technically, though, Sawed was the real first attempt but it was so haphazardly written, planned, and cast that small-town zombie folk in the college years should really be considered the first. From the limited knowledge you have about the first experience, it probably sounds like my sawed experience was a complete train wreck, but it did have some things going for it. There was a lot of support for the project, and lots of undeserved hype. Like many people, I was really inspired by Kevin Smith's first feature film, Clerks. It was so simple and so crude, yet hilarious. The film was an example of what could be achieved with a good idea, lots of passion, and a tiny bit of money. Smith himself was inspired by the Richard Linklater film, Slacker. I don't recall exactly when the first time I watched Clerks was, but I know that by the time I started writing Sod, I was a Kevin Smith junkie. I devoured his films, evening with specials, and anything else that he had some kind of involvement in. His words really had an impact on me and helped strengthen my belief in the dreams that I had. One of my favorite Kevin Smith quotes actually comes from a time much later than the Saw experience, but I think it fits into the essay really well, and it's too damn good not to include. People have been telling me I'm a failure and that I'm doing it all wrong for 20 years now. Never trust anybody when they tell you how your story goes. You know your story. You write your own story. Kevin Smith I'll go as far as to say, he was my hero, and his words were my fuel. An energy that helped ignite and keep the sod flames burning. For a little while, at least. When I was finally done with the first draft of my script, I felt this weird thing inside of me. I was proud of myself. This was just a simple piece of writing, but it was the longest thing that I'd ever written at the time, and most importantly, it was a finished project. I had a project in mind, wrote a goal for myself, and followed through. The goal was just a small chunk of a huge project, but even the small pieces count for points in this game called life. Now that I had completed first draft, it was time to turn my chicken scratch into typed out edited final draft. This is a practice that I continue to this day. I find that writing everything into my notebook first, then writing the next drafts on the computer, has been a wonderful method for me. 
even though it's still hard to read my own writing sometimes. Thinking of myself now as a young high school kid, I'm amazed that I had the discipline to sit there and type this whole thing out from just looking at a messy spiral notebook. I guess that just goes to show you what lots of passion and Mountain Dew can allow a person to accomplish. Once I had successfully printed the script while at the same time draining my family's printer of black ink, it was time to hand it off to my friend and creative partner at the time, Carl. As with all the other stories from the past, names have been changed out of respect and privacy. Carl and I were good friends at the time. We had a lot of the same nerdy interests and we seemed to just gel creatively. In elementary school, he would help me in writing some of my Blaze comics, as mentioned in the Gratitude essay. When I tossed out the idea of shooting a movie together, Carl was on board immediately. Early on, he mostly just helped pad the script with ideas and jokes. When it would come time to shoot, he would have a major acting role as the film's main villain. Pre-production for our project was moving along nicely, and word of what we were up to was spreading. I wrote almost the whole thing during my time in study hall that year, so all of the people in that room were definitely in the know about the movie, and were more than likely very tired of hearing about it. To my surprise, lots of people were pretty excited for this idea and wanted to help out in any way they could. The hype was starting to build. Now, it was just time to deliver and show the people the power of big dreams. No problem. I had no concrete plan of action, but at least I had a really full cast and crew list. In the coming weeks, not much would happen. Whenever people would ask about how the movie was going, I'd say that Carl and I were location scouting and starting to shoot some simple scenes. That was a bit inaccurate to say the least. Most of our hangouts actually involved eating pizza and watching movies. The end of the school year was approaching fast, yet I had no fear. In my head, I figured we'd do a bulk of the work in the upcoming summer. Instead of the usual, have a good summer, or see you next year messages that were common in my yearbook, this year, lots of messages pertain to the film. Some people left messages of encouragement, and others left their contact info so they could be a part of the production. It was a really good feeling. I felt like a somebody. I felt the true power of having a dream and how that dreaming could impact other people. Only a fool wouldn't follow through with such a project and potentially let all these eager people down. Well, you can probably guess what happened. The summer breezed on by, and I became the fool. It began with great intentions. It really did. We even filmed a couple scenes. It didn't take long, though, for me to realize that we were in pretty far over our heads. All the schedule coordinating, the time, the budget, effects, were all things that would be difficult for two slacker high school kids. Oh, and there was one other little itty-bitty thing on top of everything else. I did something really boneheaded, and I kind of ruined the friendship between Carl and I. I don't really want to get into it, however, let's just say I was totally wrong. If the movie wasn't already dead by the time the incident happened, this was definitely its final nail. I would have to shamefully return to school that next year with my tail between my legs and explain to everyone that the movie project was over. All of those wonderful messages in the yearbook were now just a monument to my failure. It sucked that things ended the way they did, but I remained hopeful. No movie? Alright, fine. What's next? I still had a strong belief in my abilities and ideas. 
I knew that I just needed one really, really good one, and then BAM! That would be my ticket into the life I dreamed of. Before the end of high school, I would write a few more screenplays, with actual correct formatting this time, shoot some random junk for YouTube, and even record some audio. That crude audio recording was nonsense at the time, but a few years later, it would be known as podcasting. At the time, most of the stuff that I recorded never went up anywhere, but it was the very early seeds planted for Media Pod Smash. By graduation, nothing major had been completed. I was sure that everyone thought I was just the master of hype and nothing more than that. Those things didn't bother me, though. I saw a long, bright path ahead of me, and my hope never wavered. I was going to go to college for film and really make it happen. I'd show them. They'd all see. What I should have realized is, it wasn't them that mattered. It was about showing myself what I could do. To my credit, I did attempt to make a film again and work at my craft while attending college. However, you know how all that went. It was an overly ambitious clusterfuck of a project, but... At least I didn't destroy any friendships in the process this time. By the end of this attempt, I felt a little different. It was not water off a duck's back like it had been a few years ago towards the end of high school. This time, for the first time, I thought to myself, maybe I can't really do this. This thought broke my fucking heart. My deep well of hope was starting to dry up. Instead of being optimistic for the future, It started to terrify me. I had no plan in place as a backup to film. Rather than attempting to make a real plan or keep trying to chase my dreams in spite of all the failure, I just started to numb myself. It all just fell apart so quickly that it was hard to see coming. My inner child was still inside of me somewhere, though. I could hear his constant questions and concerns. What happened to you? You hopeless man. What about the dreams? Part 3. What about the dreams? With college in the rear view, my life now consisted of full-time retail. At first, not all hope was completely drained. After a while, though, my lack of plans and partying lifestyle started to catch up with me. Creative ideas started to dim, and eventually, I stopped doing just about everything that I used to do. Luckily, through all of this time, I never stopped writing. Keeping a journal has been one of the best outlets for me in life, and probably the most consistent thing I've ever done. Through the ups and downs, certain milestones, and other great memories, there's a journal entry about it somewhere. I love the fact that I can reread an entry and be taken back to that certain time and place. It's interesting to see the growth over time and wonderful for reflection. For this essay, I thought it might be a good idea to look back at some of these entries, Well, there are some that will simply never be shared, and I will probably never do this again. I feel that these entries are just tame enough for public consumption, and really show the timeline of how a hopeless man regained that hope. September 28th, 2012. This is the first entry, and I feel that I should jump right in. This morning, I was brought to a chilling realization that I am stuck in what seems like an infinite loop of time. A rather chaotic but true fact nonetheless. I woke up on this cold, nearly fall morning thinking to myself, this seems very familiar, but not in a good way. November 28th, 2012. 
I have a very real and very strong fear of being never truly satisfied with how things are. In my old position, I longed for more because I was bored. In my new position, I'm very stressed out and I feel this still may not be a good fit. What I think I should take from this is that I should not be focusing my energies into retail because no position was ever that good. February 19th, 2013 It's been a long time since an update, but that's because it's been a long time since nice change has happened. I'm officially back down to part-time and back into the department where it all started. I am not sure why, tonight of all nights, I chose to pick up writing another entry, especially when I have to be awake in about five hours, but it just seems right. I'm not sure if things are exactly where I'd like them, but they are definitely starting to move in the right direction. I was wrong. Kinda. The next couple years after this entry did actually go well, but soon the shit would hit the fan. This era was the events described in the Sobriety Revisited essay. A whirlwind of madness and chaos, but not the end of the story. July 2nd, 2019 The concept of small things done the correct way each day in the right direction seemed overly simplistic. Yet, here I am, over 90 days without nicotine. A new health routine and more mental and physical strength than I've ever had in my life. The great Jim Rohn broke it down rather incredibly. You just pick a new direction and go that way. Small changes each day amount to extraordinary results. So the question now that momentum is on our side is, what's next? This entry came on one of the days that I was flying really high. Hope was coming back to me quickly. Life was good. The hero wins. End of story, right? Well... Unless you're reading this essay first, you know the answer to that. February 8th, 2020 So, I'm not sure how to process this day. Things are a little bit hazy. I feel like I'm in a bit of a fog, but at the same time, I'm having feelings of contentment, which is nice, but sort of leads to guilt, because I feel like I shouldn't be feeling content right now. Fuck! March 7th, 2020 I feel like it should be getting easier. It's not. This has been a real fucking challenge. In almost every entry, I speak of doing my best, and I really do try. However, this is nuts. It's been shit after shit after shit. I'm not complaining. Okay, maybe a little. But I could really use a break right now. I know there's always somebody who has it worse, but for fuck's sake, just a small break would be fantastic. All I know is that I would be nothing without my routine. Good for us. I know there's still a lot to improve, but we've come a long way. Don't ever forget that. I know I could cut down on alcohol and other vices. April 5th, 2020. Dude, relax with the drinking a bit. I know there's nothing to do, but think about all the progress. At least the to-do list was crushed. Just chill with the hard liquor already. April 19th, 2020. I'll be completely honest. I'm really fucking scared. Things feel pretty insane right now, and I really don't want my mental health to decline. Please, please, please slow the alcohol down. I'm not always scared, though. Sometimes I'm still really hopeful. Thinking about who I have become and who I have the potential to be, 
gives me hope. I know that I am capable of so much more. May 20th, 2020. Here's the harsh truth. There's things you must face and conquer. The more you put those things off, the more time passes, and the worse things get. You don't get to keep fucking things and yourself up with alcohol and then just keep feeling bad the next day, saying to yourself, I need to change, again and again and again. You just need to change. And you can. You've done it before. May 22nd, 2020. Don't ever fucking quit. So you had to start over. So fucking what? Try and try and try again. You could really do anything you put your mind to. If you ever decide to actually write that book, here's another pivotal moment for you. It's the last blast weekend for getting blasted. I'd like to believe that I'm telling the truth. I really, really would, but I've been burned too many times already by myself. It's up to you to make this either a pivotal moment or just another shitty journal entry. May 31st, 2020. If you really believe that you have the ability to turn over a new leaf every moment, then fucking prove it. Fix your shit. Write that script. Be nice. Clean up your act. If you've been paying attention, this entry actually appeared once before in the very first essay. After this entry, something beautiful happened. It all finally clicked for me, and I actually did it. June 14th, 2020. What a big difference from last Sunday to this one. Feels good to not be hungover and anxious. Let's keep it up. June 20th, 2020. Tomorrow will be two weeks without alcohol. It doesn't sound like much, but based on how the past few months have gone, this is good. I'm proud. Sometimes I really miss it, but other times, especially weekend mornings, it's pretty easy to go without. June 27th, 2020. Tomorrow will be three weeks. Does something seem familiar about these entries now? I'll be honest. I still do miss booze, but it's not horrible not having it either. December 6th, 2020. Six months of no alcohol, baby. There's a few things that still need to be worked on, but every day is a little more growth. April 9th, 2021. Don't stop now. Two months from now, it'll be a year. Let's keep the momentum up and the creativity rolling. And just like that, I hit the year mark. At the time of this writing, I'm just about a couple weeks from hitting the two-year mark. It honestly blows my mind. When I look back on the journey, it was not the path I had ever intended on taking. The vision that I had for my future way back in that study hall while writing Sod was very grand. I never intended for things to spiral out of control the way they did, or for myself to lose hope and ambition. Of course, no one ever intends for these things. Sometimes you just get caught up in a certain way of doing things, and before you know it, years have passed and you're wondering what happened. The important thing that I, and anyone else reading this, should remember is, it isn't over until it's over. The journey I went on was rocky, painful, and a slew of other awful descriptive words, but it was not the end. I had the power to change things and rewrite the future. You do too. A little while after quitting nicotine, I received two items that I will cherish for the rest of my life. 
The items were gifts from my mom, who knew how badly I was struggling and wanted to show me that she was proud of me for sticking with it. For the longest time, I always wanted a cool-looking chest for storage that I could put at the end of my bed and really tie things together. What did I happen to find one evening in the dining room after coming home from a particularly bad day of work? That's right, an awesome chest with a card. The chest was great, but the card ended up being the real gem of the two. Inside the card, my mom hand-wrote a small note of encouragement to me. I've shared a lot, but these words are forever mine. It ended up being the last written thing that I'd have from my mom, which of course made it even more special to me. Currently, the card resides in a certain place that I can see every day at work. I check every day to make sure it's still there and to reread these words. There are many awful, terrible things that happen in this world, yet I can read this card and be reminded that there's a lot of wonderful things that happen in this world too. I'm reminded that I had someone in this life that cared immensely about me and my silly ideas. I'm reminded that I'm more powerful than I think. Most importantly, the words remind me that having hope is good. Hope is what got me through awful jobs. It's what got me through some really sad days. It was the thing that I needed when I wondered if I could ever make a change and quit the things that I needed to quit. Currently, hope has returned in a big way, and my well is full. To the inner child that used to ask, what about the dreams? I've got your answer. Right here. I've got such a long way to go, but in the past couple of years, I've sworn off alcohol, rebooted a couple podcasts that I care deeply about, and yeah, I wrote a book. I'm living proof that with will, determination, and that little thing called hope, anything is possible. So enough about me. What are you going to do? Is there a fitness program you've been wanting to get on? Maybe there's a book inside of you waiting to come out. Perhaps an entirely different kind of dream exists in you. One that maybe your inner child asks about. What about the dreams? They're still there, and it's time to dust them off. It may not end up exactly how you picture it, but you will never regret trying, that's for sure. If you've made it this far, thanks. You're awesome. This would not exist without you, and I would be thrilled if you gained something from this experience. If you did, good. Go out into the world and prove it. Make your little corner of the world something to marvel at. I'll be right at your side, in spirit of course, as the journey never really does end. There's always challenges to overcome, new goals to topple, and demons to slay. Is it easy? No, definitely not. It may seem a little scary sometimes. However, we've got that secret weapon called hope. Mediapod smash off. Have you recently lost a loved one and want to hold on to their memory forever? Would you like all of the world to be able to view what their life had been about? Seasons of Life Memorials is what you are looking for. We create individual and unique documentary shorts that will allow anyone visiting the gravesite to view the documentary and your memories of the loved one. Contact us today to set up an appointment at seasonsoflifememorials.com.